Victims have not seen justice. And that creates a pattern. It creates a pattern of impunity and it breeds into more violence, unfortunately. Welcome to Global Dispatches, a podcast for the foreign policy and global development communities and anyone who wants a deeper understanding of what is driving events in the world today. I'm your host, Mark Leon Goldberg. I am a veteran international affairs journalist and the editor of UN Dispatch. Enjoy the show. Looking for a trustworthy podcast to bring you unfiltered viewpoints and experiences on global health? Tune into Global Health Matters, the podcast that connects silos and amplifies diverse voices to give you a holistic picture. Each month, Dr. Gary Aslanian from the World Health Organization hosts discussions with guests spanning former ministers of health, award-winning journalists and authors, and frontline public health workers. Join listeners from across 180 countries for an exciting Season 4, launching in June. Global Health Matters is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Over the decades, Senegal has earned a reputation as a reliably stable democracy in West Africa. But recent events have put that reputation to a test. Over the past month, Senegal has been rocked by widespread protests against the government of President Macky Sall. These protests were sparked by the arrest and conviction of a prominent opposition leader, Usman Sonko. The government response to these protests has been brutal. More than a dozen people have been killed, many by live ammunition fired into crowds of protesters. Joining me to discuss recent events in Senegal is Karine Kaneza Nantulia, Deputy Director within the Africa Division at Human Rights Watch. We discuss what led to these protests and what Human Rights Watch has uncovered about the government's deadly response. We then have a broader discussion about what is driving democratic backsliding in Senegal. Today's episode is produced in part through the support of the Carnegie Corporation of New York as part of a series of episodes featuring African expertise on peace and security issues in Africa. Please visit globaldispatches.org to access more of those episodes. And as always, if you have suggestions for me of people I should interview or topics I should cover, please do reach out. I love hearing from you and you can do so at globaldispatches.org. Now, here is my conversation with Karine Kaneza Nantulia of Human Rights Watch. Can I have you describe these circumstances around why it was that demonstrations broke out in Dakar on May 31st? Well, the demonstrations broke out in Dakar on May 31st after a criminal court sentenced a prominent opposition leader, Usman Sonko, who's the head of political party, quite popular, called Patriot Africain du Sénégal pour le Travail, l'Éthique et la Fraternité, an acronym PASTEF. So the criminal court sentenced him to two years in jail for allegedly corrupting youth 
which ultimately undermined his chances to run in next year's, in the 2024 presidential election. Can I ask you about that specific conviction? Because it is odd to hear in English someone convicted for the crime of corrupting the youth. What did that mean in practice? Well, this is not the first time Mr. Osman Sonko has had to face court sentences. You may remember a few years back, he had been faced with a charge against rape, which was eventually dropped. And for this specific one, this falls within an increasing crackdown on opposition, political dissent, peaceful demonstrators, where some may have accused the government for politicizing the judiciary. The independence of the judiciary has been called in question, specifically when it comes to the different charges that have been brought before people like Usman Sonko. Corrupting youth, indeed, what does it mean exactly? It's not clear. It's a broad sentencing that may fall within a law that was promulgated, I believe, in June 2021, which really provides a broad police surveillance powers around the activities of the political opposition. It curtails the right to freedom of assembly and freedom of expression. So it sounds like it's a flimsy and spurious kind of thing to be convicted of, corrupting the youth. However, he was acquitted earlier of a rape trial as well. So he was convicted of this odd charge of corrupting the youth. What happened upon his conviction? So the demonstrations broke out. Songkwe is a very popular figure amongst the youth. They took their grievances and their protests to the streets. And when we were doing our research, we interviewed about 19 people, including protesters, civil society activists, members of the opposition, journalists, lawyers. And we also reviewed reports by different national and international media outlets, photographs, videos, etc. And what we were able to document is that demonstrators built barricades, they blocked main roads, they burned tires, they destroyed and looted public and private property. And there was a face-off with the police. They threw stones at the police and the police responded with tear gas. One journalist told us that the police fired so many tear gas grenades that he couldn't breathe. On another incident, there were reports of the presence of thugs among the security forces. These are thugs called nervis. They ride cars without plates and act, as a journalist said, with impunity under the protection of security forces. So some sort of thuggish groups that move with the security forces. In other places, like for instance, that was on June 1st in northern Senegal, security forces arrested 40 people, including a woman and at least seven children as young as 11 years old. Again, after a demonstration in support of Osman Sonko, most of them were members of Sonko's political party. And we were told, for instance, by a member of PASTAF, assisted the woman who was arrested as part of the 40 people. And that person said to us that the policeman stopped the woman and told her, we know you, you're a PASTAF leader, and they beat her brutally. But it's important, I think, to highlight that these latest demonstrations, because this is not the first incident of violent demonstrations. It's been a trend. It's been a dynamic that we've seen, at least from Human Rights Watch, since 2021. And 
all these demonstrations are occurring amid a general unrest in Senegal. And most of them, protests are linked to President Macky Sall's silence on whether he would run for a third term in office. And of course, the court case that's involving Sonko. You mentioned that really this cycle of protest and repression began in 2021. We saw it more acutely in 2021, correct. And what was the spark back in 2021? I mean, we saw, of course, in June, the most proximate spark was the conviction of Usman Sonko on that charge of corrupting the youth. What happened in 2021 to kickstart the cycle that we're seeing now, this very escalatory cycle that we're seeing? So 2021, where we start seeing, and again, one has to link it to, I think, a broader dynamic within the promises of the current administration, at least is perceived to have failed delivery. 2021, we again see young people taking up the streets with grievances around the lack of employment, the lack of access to education. Again, 2021 is also really within the height of the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. It's important to remember that. And again, we see security forces responding violently, arbitrarily arresting and detaining different constituencies, different groups of people, including, again, members of Sonko's political party, other political groups, including journalists and activists. So what we see, we see an increase in the crackdown by the government that is now increasingly met by a political opposition that is very defiant and that is not afraid to even protest violently, as we saw in these recent demonstrations. We hear about different coalition groups. So besides the political opposition, parties like PASTEF, we also see other networks, coalition groups from civil society, these pan-Africanist groups that are now increasingly aligning themselves with a discourse of PASTEF and who are openly rallying and mobilizing the youth again for more protest in the coming months. We've made a very clear call as Human Rights Watch on the government of Senegal, on the region, on the African Union, to really look at these trends and take them seriously because they do not bode well with the 2024 presidential elections. So you mentioned earlier that these protests are driven also by public flirtations by Mackie Saul of going for a constitutionally dubious third term in office. What do we know about his decision-making there? Because, you know, Senegal has a reputation for presidents abiding by the Constitution, but here it seems that Macky Sall might diverge from history and indeed go for that constitutionally dubious third term. So we've not heard from uh, President Macky Sall a clear answer to that question. What we know, we know, as you just mentioned, that Senegal is an example, has always been branded and presented as an example of stability in a region that is increasingly being faced with coups and constitutional changes of government. Let's also remember that Macky Sall became president in 2012 after former President Wad, against whom there were also some rumors and accusations around Was he going to go for a third term? So third termism in Senegal is also part of a recent 
discourse within the population, within young people, whereby they're basically saying, we're not going to have a third term now because we didn't have a third term then. When you talk to people, especially in Dakar, you hear that rhetoric quite strongly where they talk about them not wanting to allow a precedent taking place in Senegal. These are some of the key issues that President Macky Sall and his supporters and his partners and the broader region will have to be faced with. Can Senegal afford to go down a path of instability because of the desire of staying Macky Sall's reign? That's a question to be answered. But from a human rights perspective, I think there are other questions that are very important, regardless of what Macky Sall would like to do. Number one, we have victims who have died. At least 14 is the number that I saw most recently cited by the press. Yes. We have about 16 deaths. Obviously, that's a conservative number. And people who are still in prisons, as Mr. Aliuntin, who's a very well-respected, extremely well-known activist, uh, Senegalese activist, said to us in one of our interviews, they've never seen so many political prisoners since the 60s in Senegal. Victims and their families need to know, first of all, the whereabouts of some of the family members. They need to know the circumstances of the deaths of their loved ones. They need justice. Members of security forces who used lethal force, which led to the death of so many Senegalese men and women, need to account for those crimes. And these are questions that are becoming more urgent by the day. As more protests are being organized, as more young people do not seem to be scared by the crackdown and the lethal force that they may have to face on the other side, these are questions that need to be answered. That's why Human Rights Watch is calling for an investigation. We're calling for the African Commission on Human and People's Rights to pronounce itself and to actually carry out a fact-finding mission. So... Everything you just said now just reinforces to me, to a certain extent, how odd it is to be having this conversation in the first place for the reason you cited earlier, which is that Senegal has this reputation as a regional bastion of stability, of multi-party democracy, of a place where one can freely express one's political opinion. Yet that's obviously not the case. I mean, you've just described horrific human rights abuses in which government and affiliated you know, almost paramilitary thugs, as you called them, shot live rounds into crowds, killing lots of people. This just like is not something that we're accustomed to hearing coming from Senegal. So I'm curious to learn from you, like what happened here? What is driving this backsliding that we're seeing in Senegal today? I think generally speaking, there's been a backsliding in terms of democracy in West Africa. I was talking to some of our partners and colleagues, and you hear more and more words like, where are the giants of Africa? Where are the Nelson Mandela's and uh, South Africa? Yes, but we also had the Sekuture in West Africa. Where are these strong men and women who really used to influence and leverage their leadership in a way that some of this violence was actually being tackled decisively. And I'm going back to the 90s and early 2000, when we saw across West Africa a stronger economic 
regional grouping like ECOWAS, which is a regional grouping of West African states within the African Union. And we saw more and more the issue of military regimes being tackled by different governments to a point where we saw opposition parties rotating and coming in and old parties that have been, Senegal is a good example, that had been in power for like 40 years, leaving the stage and basically seeing some democratic dividends taking place. And in the last few years, we're seeing a return of military coups. We see a return of a very worrying rhetoric against the political opposition and the media, members of civil society organizations. Where does it come from? I think there's a number of factors, really. But maybe the one that speaks to Human Rights Watch and falls within our mandate, it's impunity. It's really impunity. It's the fact that ever since we've documented since 2021, some of these attacks and the violence and the crackdown by security forces, we haven't seen justice and accountability being taken seriously or being implemented. As I mentioned before, victims have not seen justice. And that creates a pattern. It creates a pattern of impunity and it breeds into more violence, unfortunately. Is Senegal really on this terrible path? And are we talking about a path of non-return? I wouldn't think so. And that's not what I'm saying. I think what we need to see is really a concerted effort by the government, including Macky Sall's, obviously by government, we're talking about Macky Sall's government, but also the region, institutions like ECOWAS, the African Union, to put pressure on the Senegalese government and refuse to see Senegal going the path of some of its neighbors. Do you see it as inevitable that Senegal may indeed go the path of its neighbors who have you know, experienced high levels of violence and political instability if indeed Macky Sall does run for a third term for elections that are scheduled in 2024. If he does go the third termism route, do you just foresee there to be more conflict and violence in the country? There's definitely going to be more disturbances. Uh, is there going to be more violence? That will depend on two stakeholders. One is the military. The second one is the judiciary. We've heard that the government may want to carry out some investigation. We haven't seen much. There was a statement put out by the Minister of Foreign Affairs recently in response to a statement by the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights when the Commissioner for Human Rights condemned the use of firearms, there was a statement. And in response to the statements of the UN, the Minister of Foreign Affairs said that these recent protests of early June had absolutely nothing to do with the exercise of the rights of expression and demonstration, but rather were attacks against the state amounting to terrorism. And this is something we saw, as I said, in 2021. And such statements should not take place. What I'm trying to say is that the government has the room, it has the freedom and the possibility to basically make sure that it curb its rhetoric and its stance on issues of peaceful dissent, the right to freedom of expression, the right to assembly, the right to access information. During the recent protests, 
internet was shut down for a few days. These are some of the trends we're looking at, and we call on the government to really address them before there's more violence, a deterioration of the security situation. Looking ahead, are there any indicators or inflection points that you'll be monitoring that will suggest to you whether or not the unrest may subside or, on the other hand, escalate? I think the first entry point for us would be to really look at the actions taken by security forces when demonstrations take place. It will be to look at how the access to internet and social media is being regulated. Another indicator would be the number of court cases presented against Sonko and besides Sonko, other members of political parties, including journalists and activists. Those are some of the trends we are currently monitoring. Karine, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Global Dispatches. Our show is produced by me, Mark Leon Goldberg, and edited and mixed by Levi Sharp. If you have questions or comments, please email us using the contact button on globaldispatchespodcast.com. Before you go, do take a moment to show your support for the show by becoming a premium subscriber. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you can do so with a couple taps of your thumb. If you're listening elsewhere, you can go to patreon.com slash global dispatches. We rely on support from listeners to continue to do what we do far into the future. And by becoming a premium subscriber, you will unlock access to our entire archive of hundreds and hundreds of episodes. Please rate or review the show on Apple Podcasts. <music>